Good evening. It's good to see you all again. And um, when Chris asked me a couple weeks ago, he said, we'll talk about it. And we never got to talk about it. So I just assumed I wasn't preaching. And then I saw the email come in earlier this week saying I'm on there for Sunday night. So thanks, Chris, if he hears this. Uh, we do need to keep praying for him and his family, and uh, especially this time of year, the season coming up and the holiday uh, uh, for him. So let's say a prayer for Chris and, and his father. Father, we're so grateful um, to know that we're in your hands, and we trust you, and we know uh, how faithful you've been through all our lives, and we ask you to just give comfort, uh, make this, the travel plans easy for uh, Chris and Karen, and help them as they come back to be with uh, his family and to tend to his father's surgery. Be with them uh, tomorrow. Be with the doctors and, and all of that, that the healing can uh, be smooth and, and comforting. We thank you uh, that we have our trust in you. In Christ's name, amen. I didn't know what to do. I'm used to when we preach that we have a series, maybe a hundred part series, right, of how to be a Twinkie in a ding-dong world, as one comedian said. Um, and so to have preached seven months ago and then think, what am I going to do? I barely even remember what I preached afterwards. So um, there was a, a, the last study that I have gone through, yeah, deep study on my own, had been through the Pentateuch, the, fi the first five books of the Old Testament. And um, wondering why it was written, how it was written, uh, and trying more to get a bigger picture. Because some of those books, as, as people had begun, um, have begun in their past, uh, Bible readings that get bogged down into. Uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, some of them, uh, when they get to the genealogies <clears throat> and the family and the tribes. And so I wanted to see what is better, what, what is the picture Moses and, and those writers, what they really wanted Israel to understand. Remember, I think we went through 50, uh, 38 chapters of Genesis the last time. That was a long time ago, so you don't have to remember. Um, but what, what I felt like I discovered was it wasn't really about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It wasn't really about them. It was really about God. Because there's so many times those men of faith that we call them really had a lot of moments of no faith. They tried to take things on their own hands and do things because they weren't sure how it was going to come out and they forgot to trust God. And so when we see them in, in Hebrews 11, when the writer of Hebrews was trying to remind the church to trust God, those men are there. And even the one that we joked about, or not joked about, but Samson even, where his is fail, 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 a moment of faith, and then he's dead. Um, but he's considered in that. And really what the Hebrew writer was saying is it's about God. In spite of, despite what man does, our, our decisions, our failings, God is always faithful to his promises. And that's what the Hebrew writer was really wanting the church to see, and so much what I need to see. Because we're now in a new phase of our, our life, our marriage, our family. We have a child now in, in college. Can't even call him a child now, right? A young adult in college. Now we just found out this afternoon that he's seriously contemplating marriage. So... And we're still trying to get a career here. We just moved. We, it's a huge phase. So, yes, I need to hear those echoes of our fathers, right? 
trust God, trust God. For sure we need to hear that. So Genesis was much about that, how faithful God is in spite of the failings of man. I, I, I believe strongly that's what Moses really needed Israel to understand. Leviticus is, is a lot about how a holy, I think uh, we can even link numbers in there. It's, it's very much a lot about how a holy God can live among a stiff-necked people, as it says, as the book says. It's all these regulations because he's a holy God. How can we as a stiff-necked people, a people that fail often, come close to him? And that's how he did it. It's his passion, his pursuit to be with you, to be with us, to be with his people. But there's a boundary there because we keep goofing it up. We keep falling for our eyes or our own hearts instead of trusting him. And so the book I decided to do is Deuteronomy. We're going to do the whole book. But what I want to do it in a different way, because I don't want to teach, I, I imagine all of you here know very well about Deuteronomy, so I don't want to teach you anything about it, but what I think I would like to do tonight is to experience what it was like to be at this moment when Moses is, is laying this out, what it is to be an Israelite, laying there. Uh, so we'll just, uh, camping out between those two mountains, there's a valley, there's a river that runs through it, and there's a plain. And across the plain, you can see these palm trees. That's Jericho over there, and there's mountains behind that. You're on the edge of, of this hope. You're on the edge of the promise that God made to Abraham, your father. And your name, we'll just say we're, you're Elihu. We'll call you Eli for sure. And his wife is uh, Hephzibah. Hephi, maybe, maybe not Hephi. We'll say Zeba. <laughs> that just sounds weird. Um, but that's, you have three children. You have two sons and a daughter. And, and you look over at this other tent next to you, and that's Joash. Joash has been your friend since you were nine years old, and you remember coming out of Egypt together as friends. You remember that day because Moses came, and, and, and your father came home, Eliezer, he, he comes home and he's upset because Moses is saying he's going to take you out. And you already know what it's like when you upset the, the Egyptians and Pharaoh. They put a little harder burden on you. And so you're upset. You're, you hear your father murmuring. He's complaining because there's going to be a lot more pressure on you. But it happens. They take you out. Your family, you and Joash together as buddies, you're, you, you get out of Egypt. You escape it. You're at the river. You even see what happens when Moses puts the staff down in the water of, of parts and you cross the Red Sea. And you're in the wilderness and you saw the food and you heard the murmuring of your father. Moses actually gets into Sinai, gets you all there, and he goes up on the mountain. And you remember your father and all these men and and they were saying, we need to do something. He's not coming down. And so they build these calves. They gather the gold, and you watch them melt it, and they build it, and they have this big, crazy, gross party. And Moses comes down, and you see the anger of God. And you go through, and you see all this happen. 
and, and, they, and you get to the promised land and you remember the 12 guys, the spies, they go in and they come back and they have these ginormous grapes. The land is fruitful. God, promised, God said this would take place. This was the promise. And guess what happens? You see your father wanting two of those spies dead because he's scared that those giants over there are going to kill your kid, kill you, kill your family. And so everyone, you notice everyone in the camp wants to stone him, but Joshua and Caleb remain strong and God says, that's it. That's it with this generation. But this younger generation, they're going to go into this land and they're going to take it. And so you're there, you're there waiting for Moses to come back. You're on the land of that promise. You remember what your dad said as, as this time got closer and closer to this time. And everybody's dying. That generation is passing on. And your father, before he died a year previous to this event, Deuteron where we're at in Deuteronomy, he says, don't do it. Don't do what we did. Don't grumble when God provides. Remember what he did for you. He gave you this food. He took care of you. Trust him. Actually, go look at, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 10. This is pretty much what he was saying to his son. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's trying to remember the, remind the church too. Uh, why we have the Pentateuch, why we have all these things written down for us. Uh, he says, let's go back. Uh, I don't know where, what verse to start. Maybe we'll start in one. Uh, for I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened. They're written for us. These things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they would also crave. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Trust them. That's what Paul goes on to. You've got to trust God because they were doing their own thing in Corinth. But this is the issue here. You've got to trust him. And so that's what he was saying. And sometimes you, you remember, you reflect back on what maybe they call the incident as your dad was passing. The incident being God's condemnation because of their lack of trust in God and not accepting the promised land. So as you're thinking of these things, here comes Joshua. Here comes Moses. The leaders are coming to address the people. The people are all there. They're all murmuring. Uh, God brought us to here. This is what's next. They're waiting to hear what's next from God. The promised land is right there. We're going to go there. 
We're remembering Abraham's promises and we're there. Can you imagine that? 40 years of them wandering and then even longer, all those years of the waiting for this promise and it's coming true. What is Moses going to say to us? What is he going to talk to us about? Is it going to be this big, we're going in. If Moses comes down, and now here's what kind of what I want to do is I want to shift. Now we're Moses. What would it be like to be in Moses' shoes, sandals? To come down and you see the tents. You see the families and you, rec- re- you recall how you made some decisions for people. You handled disputes among these families. You saw these children grow and now they're adults and they have families. And you know something they don't know. You know this is the last time you're going to talk to them. This is the last thing you're going to say to God's people. Because you're not allowed to go in. Because that moment you struck the rock, you profaned his name. But your memories go back. You you were raised with Pharaoh. But you really were not of his household. You knew you were an Israelite. You remember intervening for them when an Egyptian was beating one of your people. You met God at the burning bush. You struggled with even accepting your ministry. Coming up with all those excuses to a point you made God angry. But not only did you have that relationship, you had or that, that turmoil with God, you had a relationship with Him, even in fact, God actually spoke up to Israel on your behalf saying, hey, he is my friend that I speak to face to face. Yahweh himself wrote the commands with his finger before you. You came down, you saw that calf. promised land, the frustration. And you actually stood up for Israel. There were times God wanted to wipe them out. And you loved them. You loved these people you see. You spoke on God on behalf of them. But you don't get to go. And it's kind of a defining moment in your life because you realize I need God's mercy just as much as everyone else. I don't get to go in because of my sin. But I get to help them get there. So in Deuteronomy 1 verse 6, God comes to them. Moses and Joshua are there and he speak and they say it's time to go on. It is time to leave this mountain. The warnings that Moses starts to give are all these warnings that flow through the book of Deuteronomy. Remember all the things you did wrong. Remember those things that took place. He kind of gives them a history. He's telling them, remember your fathers, and you remember Elihu, and now you're Elihu. You remember Eliezer. You remember how he warned you not to do the things they did. 
and how they died in the wilderness because it is important for you to remember this is how he, Moses says it's going to be a crucial point when you go in to the promised land you remember when you fought with Joash when you fought against the king of Sion and the king of Og you remember what it was like to fight with God on your side not by man's power God taught you what it was like for him to be with you in battle and it's that crucial when you go in to remember not to do the things they did. Remember Yahweh, He was the one that gave you food. It was He that took care of you in spite of all their whining. And so Moses says, you need to love Yahweh. You need to fear Him. Be careful to obey all he commands, not only for you, but you're to teach your children this because generations do tend to forget. Yahweh alone is God. And the reason I say Yahweh, remember in Genesis 1, he talks about God being Elohim. The whole chapter Elohim, I, I think it's 30-something times in chapter 1. God created, God spoke, God made this, God was pleased. Chapter 2, you see it 22 times, he adds Yahweh to it. And it's a relational God. That's what chapter 2 of Genesis is, is talking about. The creator God is now one that wants to be with his people. So Yahweh, that's the word you're going to see throughout Deuteronomy that Moses wants his people to understand. This is a covenant relationship. This is a God that wants you to be with him and wants he, he wants to be your God and you to be his people. And so Yahweh is taking you in. You're going to go into nations where there are false gods. And this is why it's so crucial not to do what we did. This is so crucial why it is to trust God because these false gods will entice you they will distract you from trusting Him. They will distract you with all the, the commotion going on and the chaos. And, and then you're going to be distracted because you're going to go and see these kings that have incredible palaces or beauty or gold. And it might entice you to walk away from your God. But it's so much better if you stay with Him. You're wedded to the Creator, Yahweh. Because alone, Moses says, He alone is God, the Creator. And he repeats the Ten Commandments and the covenant that God wants with His people. In chapter 6, this is the, what they call the Shema. This is the, the for the Jew. This is everything, the core of their relationship with God, their belief. Chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord Yahweh is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then he goes on, you should teach your children when you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're laying. It's everything. So this is Moses. He's at the camp. He's at all those tents. This is what he said. This is his last words to Israel. After leading them all these years. 
He warns them, look at all the mess that happened. Look at all the wrong things. You don't do it. Don't do it. Isn't that kind of what we are like as parents and grandparents when we, we see our children going off to college, when we see our children making decisions? We want to guide them, right? We want to say, don't do it this way. I, I messed up. I didn't trust God when I did this decision. Trust God. That's what we want our children to understand. That's his Moses' heart to Israel. That's what Deuteronomy is about. Trust him. He wanted them to love Yahweh, their God. He's been faithful. Why not? He's never let his people down. He always comes true. He desperately wants his people. And he goes on and he talks about uh, the blessings of obedience. If you do these things, this is what he's going to do for you. It's going to be wonderful to walk with God. It'll be wonderful to trust him. But if you don't, if you disobey him, here's some of the curses. Here's the things that you're going to run into. Here's what happens to your life. The core is to love a holy God and to live with the holy God. And he warns them, he says, I see a day that's coming. God let Moses know that. But I see a day coming when a generation's going to be taken out of this land. When a generation will forget me, forget God, Yahweh. He'll forget all the good things that they had with him. And try to think they can do it on their own. And I can imagine you, maybe you being Elihu or, or Zeba, Eli or Zeba, I, can you imagine, no, it's not going to happen with my family. That's how I feel. That's how I would feel. No, that's not gonna, I'm not going to let that happen. But Moses says it's going to happen. And you want not to get distracted. Imagine what it was like to hear Moses say that. You're so overwhelmed, but he does say this one thing that will echo in your mind for generations that you share. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That would have been the heart of all of his lessons. And so then he goes on to finish all of this his last words, his last desire to give to Israel. If you, 29, Deuteronomy 29, 2 through 13. Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandal has not worn out on your foot. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or strong drink, in order that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out to meet us for battle, but we defeated them. And we took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of the Manassites. So keep 
the words of this covenant to do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. You stand today, all of you, before the Lord your God, your chiefs, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the alien who is with you in your camps, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God is making with you today in order that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God just as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it goes on. I, I don't have time. I would love just to read Moses. Let you hear Moses speak. So maybe, is it okay to give you homework? Um, read this, 29 on, read it, look at, this is the heart of someone trying to give an understanding to people. You know, I feel like with kids, we want to shake it in them, or, you know, it's not going to go through, we just feel that way at times, but they do get it. Read it, hear what God desires. And it goes on, he says, beware, beware that, don't leave God Beware of that. That happens. If you see someone leave, go after them. We see that with Jesus on this side of the cross. That plea, if you see a sinner, go to him. Don't let anyone leave. Don't leave God. Don't let your tribe leave God. Don't let any bitterness come up, Moses goes on to say. Don't let that root come out in your family. He goes on to say, be careful, beware, beware that you say, I'm fine. I'm doing good without God. Your life will end. And he, he goes on, he looks up 30, verse 1 through 10. I want to read that. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and to obey him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I commanded you today, you and your sons, then, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord your God will gather you. From there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and your heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and all those who hate you, who persecute you. And you shall again obey the Lord, your, obey the Lord and observe all his commandments which I command you today. Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and in the produce of your ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as you rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. More pleading to stay with God. That's what the book is about. It's this constant reminder. You've got to stay with them. Forty years we've seen it happen where we didn't. Over and over and over. Turn to him. Stay with him. Obey him. 
He is always faithful. He goes on. He tells you to choose life. If you read in chapter 30 further on. He finishes with these words. And then he does something else. He writes a song. He sings a song before them. It's kind of startling because the song of the words are are like not really the songs we would typically be singing. But basically the words of the song says God cares about you being obedient and when you're disobedient, he'll punish you. And then he blesses the tribes. He goes to each tribe and blesses them. And suddenly for you, Eli or Zeba, you're watching what's happening with Moses and it suddenly sinks in. After 40 years, this is it. Those were the last words from Moses for you. These are the last words that you hear from him. What am I going to do with those? Did it sink into my heart? Did it sink into my mind? Does it Is that going to be a part of my family? Joshua is a great leader and you're excited to have him take you in. But Moses is not going to go in with you. He turns, he hugs Joshua. He tells him to be courageous. Don't fear, he's with you. I can imagine being Eli, walking out and looking up at the stars and remembering the promise made to Abraham. When he took Abraham aside, remember that? He had some doubt. And he said, look at the stars. And he believed, and that was credited to him as righteousness. And Eli's looking up and remembering the promises that God has made and knowing God is faithful. We are here at the brink of all of it. And I think Do we feel about that way? Are we anxious at the moment Jesus comes back? We are on that edge. I'm thankful to God for being a part of West Ark. We're new. And we're just blown away by the last few months of the mission emphasis. Getting to hear all the missionaries, seeing the missionaries on Instagram, seeing them in, you know, on, online, getting to meet some of them very personal family members. I think we're obeying. I see it. We're a part of the mission that at any moment Jesus can come. Do we go out and we see the stars? Maybe not tonight, but... We see some of the stars and we remember the promises that God has made. He has always been faithful. We look back in our life and we see how he's always come through when we followed him. And we as grandparents and as parents, we want to remind our children. Trust him. Look at through the history. He's always been there. He's always been faithful. Has anything in this world always been faithful? No. Trust him. Don't do it. Don't do it. Trust him. Pursue him, I think, is the other objective, isn't it? To love him with all your heart, soul, strength, and might. To, to 
trust God like that, to follow him, you're pursuing him. That's what we want to yell at our children. Pursue God. Don't pursue money. Don't pursue wealth. Don't pursue prestige. Don't try to make a name for yourself. You have the greatest name of all, Christ, in you. I hope that's what we can echo to our generations before us. And maybe we won't have that time. He might come back this evening, tonight. I'm excited. I can't wait to be with God. And I'm, I know it's going to happen because he promised it. And he's always faithful. Let's, um, let's have a prayer and then we'll go ahead and stand and we'll sing uh, after this prayer. Father, so grateful. I look back at our marriage and our uh, just how, how faithful you have been to us. We as a family here look back and see the growth that has taken place in this church. But it's because of you. It's because of our trust in you. Father, there's missionaries out there that have trust, trusted you and have put their lives in crazy situations because they know you're there with them. Please bless them. Bless our children, our grandchildren, that what was taught may stay with their hearts and their minds. We thank you for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.